Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you again for joining us. I am once again here with my dear friend Tom Mooney from the mission, who is a chaplain, a pastor, and a friend, and all those things. I've known him many years now. Uh, I've been at the mission for almost 17, known him all those t- that time. He was there before me. And so, uh, Thomas, let's start off by you saying hello to everybody. Hello, beloved. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. Do you mean that? Absolutely. Well, I know you do. And that comes uh, with the heart of a believer. You know, we may not like everybody that comes into our path, but we're called to love everyone. And so just a little sidebar. Last week, as we were wrapping up the show, we I was reading uh, to everybody the 51st Psalm, which is the Psalm of David in his repentance. And for those of you that may not understand or know, uh, David was king of Israel. He was not where he should be. He was up in, on the balcony at the roof of his, his uh, palace when he should have been with his men in the battle, but he wasn't. He was doing what he ought not do. And that is often, even with our guys, when they become idle, and, and it, it is truly something that the old people used to say that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, there's truth to that. Uh, you know, uh, you sit around and you wind up looking for trouble. So it, he was not there, so he leans over to the balcony and he looks down and he sees Bathsheba down on her rooftop bathing And so then he took her up to his palace. One thing led to another in his heart. And even though he served the living God, at that moment he was in full rebellion to God. He wanted what he wanted. And before we judge him too harshly for that, remember that every time you, believer, decide to go your own way and do what you want to do that is in opposition to God, you are in rebellion too. And so now, here is David, uh, king of Israel, and he has done what is wrong. He has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite, a man that rode with him in the hills, a man that served him and was too noble when he came home to be tricked into sleeping with his wife while his comrades were out there on the battlefield. Having said all that, David withdrew his army. This is a short version of the story. But he sent a note with Uriah, sent a note that they should go to the front and when the battle is is raging from the walls, to withdraw from Uriah so Uriah would not survive. So David had done all the kinds of things from adultery to murder and all the kinds of things that fall between the lying, the the breaking of all the covenants, and yet uh, the Lord was not finished with David. 
Um, and so we had read uh, about David and his in his laments, in his self-examination, he realized, I have broken all of God's laws, the God that loved me. So we can pick it up if you'd like at 14. And if you don't like, I'm on the radio, so you really can't say anything. But it goes on in 14 to say, deliver me from blood guilt, O God. You are the God, my Savior. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your, your praise. You do not, and this is so key, we often think that we can appease God with things. Right, Thomas? Yes. We, we think that if I tithe good enough, if I sit in the pew good enough, if I, if I do something extra, I can appease God for all the iniquities that I continue to do. I can buy my way out of God's anger. And the reality is God loves you just as much the day you come to him as the day that, that you have sinned against him after you have come to him. And here's the key. It says you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Wait a minute. Isn't that the whole sacrificial system of Israel? It certainly is. And yet he's declaring you don't want those things. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken, uh, broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And so he is now keyed onto it. It is our repentance, our broken heart, our grieving over our sin. And, and trust me, if you just want to go to God and say, gee, God, I, I sinned, forgive me, then <laughs> you didn't do anything because God wants a broken and a contrite heart. But then he turns around and he says, may it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you, then you will delight in sacrifices and righteous, uh, righteousness, in burnt offerings, offered whole. The bulls will be offered on your altar. Never get your, never get your your path out of line. Come to God, broken-hearted, repentant, and and then. God wants those sacrificial offers, right? Amen. I, I love the way Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount oh, because amen. it was addressing it. Blessed are the poor in amen. spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pastor, unless you know the poverty of your own spirit, yeah, the right. only way you're going to learn the poverty of your own spirit is to glimpse the immensity of his. Oh, amen. And then follows, blessed are they who mourn. Well, what are they mourning about? The poverty of their spirit. And when you see God, the glory of Christ, the wonder of his love, the sacrifice of the cross, amen. the power of the resurrection, then you can mourn about the man that you used to be. Oh, and then it says, they will be comforted. Amen. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. righteousness. And then we have to compare all the things in life that we've hungered and thirsted after, all the things that our eyes followed. None of it equals hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Not even close. But the one that stuns me after, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we see this transition right through Psalm 51. We see what God is looking for, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So it's one voice that the Father speaks with from the Father or the Son. It's one voice. He wants to touch your heart, and he wants you to give him your heart. Amen. I, I I think that John Newton saw that very clearly when the line which we we sing through but I, it it draws me back time and time again tis twas grace that taught my heart to fear what what do you mean well because before you can come and you just said it before you can come broken you have to see your sin it's grace that teaches you what a sinner you really are, right? Amen. And the law which makes us conscious of sin. Yep, exactly. But he didn't leave us there either, and neither did John Newton, because he said, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and what? Grace my fear <laughs> relieved. Right. Because in the same breath and in the same moment, God makes you totally aware of your sin— And when you see the blackness of your sin, you can see the goodness of the salvation that's offered you. You you can't appreciate something that you have no regard for. Absolutely. And how gracious and how great is that love that God sends his Holy Spirit to beings that were created in his image who can respond to him as he deals with them and he brings conviction of sin upon them so they may believe in his son Jesus and have eternal life. That's a message. God loves you. He knows you. He will speak to you and he will save you. And it's all predicated on the work and person of Jesus Christ, his son. That's right. Uh, that is absolutely right. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is all that we are about. <laughs> what do we have in this world if uh, this world is all we have? Oh, what a horrible thought. That old song, living below in this old sinful world, scarcely right. a comfort can afford. And then what does it say? Where could I go but to the Lord? Amen. Yeah, amen. You know, there, the Bible tells us that there is no place you can hide from the Lord, not the depth of the sea, the height of the mountains. I'm paraphrasing. There is no place in the deepest cave or wherever you are that you can hide from God. Psalms. Amen. But by the same token, those of us that believe in Christ Jesus, who have given our lives to him, 
There's no place so deep we can be buried that he can't find us. Amen. If I no may. height so high he doesn't Hallelujah. know where we Amen. are. Amen. And no dark cave so deep that he cannot resurrect us. If I make my bed in the depths, Amen. you are there. Amen. Hallelujah. And and all those things are why we can rejoice even in even as we look around and we see what seems to be seemingly chaos everywhere about us. Uh, you, you said it uh, on our last show, all the shootings that take place and everything, and yet we, we try to blame it on the wrong things. We look at the wrong place to blame the, the shootings on. Um, I don't know what side of the fence you're on, but let me tell you something. I was a little boy who had a rifle on my wall, and I never took it down, and I never shot anybody with it. But if we do not have the Spirit of God functioning with us, if we do not respect God and his commandments, if we do not hold the, the life of others sacred, then we are just like the animals that we told, we're told we are. And why do we hold human life sacred? Because we are created in the image of our maker. Every life has meaning. Every human being has a dignity that comes from the image of God. Their lives have meaning. That's why, Pastor, in our classes and every week at the mission, the men are crying out to God, about Roe versus Wade, but more than Roe versus Wade, they are crying out that God will speak life to the children in the womb, that God will cause them to live. Their lives are precious. We need them. We need to welcome them. We need to have a plan for caring for them. We need to show them Christ. The church needs to stand up in the place that God ordained for it And we need to ask God day and night to stop the horror of abortion. 63 million babies since Roe versus Wade. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Even David said, uh, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That would indicate very clearly to me that God saw his life as being started when conception happened. Fearfully and wonderfully made. made. Knit together in my mother's womb. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I, I know some of you may be out there listening right now, and you think, well, they're just fundamentalists that, you know, haven't got a clue. Oh, say it again. It sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but we do have a clue. We understand that, you know, when when uh, a man and woman come together and a child is conceived, did you know that the DNA of that child is not the father's or the mother's? It's absolutely unique. It is unique. And we, we have devalued life in so many fronts. Children, uh, old people, it's better just to put them down, right? They're too old. Well, our society also devalues women. It does. Do we that. need to restore the value of women in this land and recognize them for who they are and cherish them and empower them and accept them as the people that God made them. 
You know, it's funny when you talk about that. Uh, my wife went home to be with the Lord uh, almost two years ago. I think if you listen to the show, you know that. It, it was so, she was always so much a part of my life that uh, it is hard not to bring up old memories and things. But, you know, people have often accused uh, believers of, you know, being this chauvinistic group of people that want to keep their thumbs on on women. That's never been the case. Uh, it might be with some people, but not anybody that understands that the Bible tells you, uh, wives, submit yourself to your husbands, and then they stop there. They forget that the Bible goes on to tell us that husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Mm-hmm. And how how in the world can you not see and how can any man think that he is some superior being to a woman? There was never a time my wife and I didn't discuss what we were going to do. I was the head of the house, but it was no, I it was no hammering her or telling her what she was going to do. It was nothing like that. It was that dual mission uh, submissionary role that we took, serving God first and Him. And, and letting him guide our path. Uh, she prayed for me, she loved me, and she did all those things. And so if anyone ever thinks that I devaluate women, they couldn't be any further from the truth. My brother sitting across from me right now lost his wife about the same time, a few months different. Six weeks. But uh, to this day... Uh, it is the grievous part of his life. He loves God. He follows God. But there's uh, an empty and a broken place that is hard not to to feel in the midnight watch, right? Yes. My wife and I never had an argument nor raised our voices to each other in 30 years. I believe that Christian marriage is a picture of what heaven's going to be like. I can tell you um, that even in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus is the second member of the Holy Trinity of God. And positionally, he was, you know, uh, God the Father was, was number one. But were they equal? He did not see equality with God as exactly. something to be grasped. Exactly. So they were equal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but positionally different. Doesn't mean unequal. And so um, I was married for 47 years, and, and if there was any times of an argument, it was, it was really not our Olga arguing, it was just me arguing, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but the reality is that uh, we both think of them every day. I mean, that's never going to change. And I thank God for the 47 years. Do you not thank God for the 30-something years you were married to Berta? Wouldn't trade a moment of it for anything. No. And so uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing place that we're at. We're accused of so many things that we don't harbor, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, you know. We're just trying to find new ways to love a sick, 
and dying world and to show them the great love that God has for them. We want you to know God loves you. I'm not saying God doesn't love everybody, but I mean personally and really where you're at and no matter what you're going through, God loves you. But make no mistake, on the other side of salvation, you are God's enemy. <laughs> you, you have transgressed his law. You have broken it. You have made yourself an enemy of God. You have sinned against a holy God, and there is no way around that excepting how, Thomas? The cross on which Jesus died. He was our atoning sacrifice, and the blood that he shed without sin covered the sin of the chosen for God. And he died on the cross, was placed in a tomb, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And if you believe the evidence, Mm -hmm. which is great, that he rose from the dead, the moment you believe it in your heart, God justifies you and declares you not guilty. Yep. And that's a path that starts with justification and then leads through sanctification, becoming Christ-like, and regardless, God himself will glorify us. Hallelujah. Our end is glory. Amen. And, And, you know, Thomas and I are both getting older. Amen. You know, um, it's a praise we're getting older, I guess. Um, but, but the older I get, the closer to this side, to the other side of the, of the gate that we come, the more I see God's hand throughout my whole life, even when I was so blindly stupid to all the things that I was doing. I see the hurt sometimes that I have caused and the regrets that you see in your past and sometimes are reminded of. But I also see the glory of God and the love that he has for us, the work that he has done in that process of sanctification. And I don't know why he would choose me to begin with because when I look at who I was, I wouldn't have chose me. But I am grateful to him every day. I'm grateful for the years that he has brought to me and the people he has put in my life, including you, Thomas. And you, Pastor. Uh, So neither one of us know how many days, weeks, months, or years we have left here, but may they count for the kingdom. Amen. You know? And for you out there, may your days, weeks, months, and years count for the kingdom too. You know... You're never going to regret at the end of your life that you came to Christ. Amen. Well put. So uh, we're pretty much out of time. We're down to one minute. Tom, Thomas, Pastor Mooney, and I often uh, get talking about these things. We don't ever plan them. They just happen when we sit down at the radio thing. And I hope that you are, were able to get something out of that. But know the hearts that we have here are for Christ. Um, There's nothing more important, and there's no greater thing you can do in your whole life 
than to come to Christ. Amen. Come down to the mission and visit us. Yeah. We want Amen. to love you. Yeah. 60 years. All right. And as always, my dear friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916 447 3268. 916 447 3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.